Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Sri Lanka is in the middle of an economic crisis that could ripple around the world. What's happening and what could be the ramifications for other countries, including for us right here in the United States? Josh Lipsky is the director of the Atlantic Council's Geoeconomic Center. Uh, He previously served as an advisor at the International Monetary Fund and speechwriter to Christine Lagarde. And uh, Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. This is one of those that... Uh, has been off the radar for a lot of people. We've been following it on this show because there are such interesting ripple ramifications. But for our listeners, give us a little lay of the land in terms of where things are in Sri Lanka and why they matter. Sure. Happy to do it, and thanks for having me. Well, it's a very troubling situation. Many will have seen the images coming out of Sri Lanka over the past week where the presidential palace was taken over, the president fleed, And now the protesters have taken over a swimming pool and exercise equipment. But what spurred this was mismanagement of the economy, a default on their debt, soaring inflation in the economy, inability to get basic goods and services. And unfortunately, Sri Lanka is not the last economy in the emerging markets or developing world that will experience this. And there are a lot of drivers, and we can discuss Russia's invasion of Ukraine is one. The fact that interest rates are rising all over the world is another. But the important thing to understand is that countries took on enormous debts during the pandemic, as was encouraged by the IMF and others. But repaying those debts right now is proving extraordinarily difficult. And there has to be some relief given to these countries, because what we don't want is a repeat of the default crisis we saw around the world in the 1980s in Latin America or the 1990s in the Asian financial crisis. That's bad for the entire global economy. Yeah, so let's get into some of those uh, factors. You mentioned the, uh, the the president fleeing, the presidential pool being uh, taken over. Uh, since then, uh, there's been a resignation. We're waiting for uh, some elections to take place. But uh, give us a sense of some of those drivers. You talked about Russia. You talked about interest rates. Uh, what were some of those things that took place? And then uh, what is the path forward? Right. So, you know, in Sri Lanka, there's a mix of things that some are unique to their economy and some are just indicative of any situation that you would see in an economy like Sri Lanka's. So there was bad fiscal management. There was corruption. You see this replicated in many places all over the world. They took on an extraordinary amount of debt. Now, they made some bad decisions as well that are unique to them. They banned fertilizers. So they did some things that made it harder to grow food domestically. But when Russia invaded Ukraine, of course, this sent energy prices soaring. So now it became much more expensive for them to import the energy and fuel they needed for their economy to survive. At the same time, the Federal Reserve, because of inflation in the U.S., has been hiking interest rates. Well, these countries like Sri Lanka have a lot of external debt, not all held by the U.S., most of it actually held by China and Japan and other. And so it's much more expensive to repay that debt. So you're unable to import the food you need, energy prices are skyrocketing, and you can't repay your debts. That's a sort of toxic combination for any emerging market, and Sri Lanka fell first. Yeah, and let's let's talk about some of that uh, ripple effect in terms of uh, what else. As you said, uh, Sri Lanka kind of went first, but where are, there's obviously other emerging uh, countries and economies that are in similar circumstances, what does that look like? Yeah, and it's a range of economies all over the world, unfortunately. You could look at Ghana as in a similar difficult debt situation. 
Egypt has it's trading de-stressed debt right now. It doesn't mean they're going to default, but that's a major economy that's in a precarious situation. Tunisia as well. Even a country like Turkey, a G20 economy, is in a very difficult situation, may have to go to the IMF, which would be a last resort for Turkey, given their checkered history with the IMF. So this isn't just limited to very small economies. There's a range of economies that are suffering. You know, they say when you're in a crisis situation and interest rates go up, it's like the tide rolling in and you see kind of who's swimming out there. And so all these things, when interest rates are low, can get covered up. But when the tide rolls out, boy, it can be really dangerous for these economies that are exposed. Uh, that, that's, we love that analogy. We, we always say that when the, uh, when the sea is calm and the breeze is light and the sun is out, uh, every ship has a great captain. Uh, but when the yeah. when the storms come and the winds raging, uh, you you figure out who knows how to drive the boat uh, just a little bit there, and I, I think we're we're seeing that with these economies. That's exactly right. You know, low interest rates, easy money covers up a lot of problems, but that's not the reality we're living in in the global economy right now. Yeah. So you you mentioned the the role of China in all of this. Uh, explain that to us. So China is the largest bilateral creditor lender in the world right now. So they lend more to every other country than any other single country. And that's different than previous debt crises. So the 1980s with Latin America, China was not a global lender. The 1990s with Asian financial crisis, China was not a global lender. So if you're Sri Lanka or you're another emerging market and you're in debt distress, you can't just go to the IMF to renegotiate. And the IMF is willing to do that, by the way. You have to go to China, and China's proven unwilling compared to the other G20 economies to renegotiate on debt. And this was the focus of the G20 summit this weekend in Bali, Indonesia, and unfortunately, very little progress was made. This is frustrating world leaders. They are not finding a willing partner in China to renegotiate debt. Now, that's for a lot of reasons. China feels like it will set a bad precedent for them if they renegotiate on this debt. But what the other leaders are telling China is this will potentially impact the entire global economy if you refuse to negotiate. And it's a very different dynamic than we've seen in previous debt crises. Yeah, that's uh, that that has wide range. We we could spend uh, several hours just on that comment alone in terms of how that's playing out. Uh, But I want to real quickly just have you uh, comment on the role of the IMF in all of this. Again, it's not something that most people get up in the morning thinking about. uh, But why should we? Well, look, the IMF is the world's lender of last resort. They're the backstop. So when all else fails, when you can't get any credit or any loans on the open market, no countries will lend to you, you go to the IMF. That's the benefit of being an IMF member, and they will lend to you. Now, it comes with conditions, as many of your listeners will be aware, and that's part of the IMF's history. They ask for adjustments to your economy to make sure that this will not happen again. Sometimes those adjustments are controversial. But the IMF plays a key role and basically ensuring global financial stability. The question for the IMF is if enough countries come at the same time, do they have enough resources? You don't want a situation where everyone's coming to the window and the IMF says we're out of money. That's a global economic problem. Now, we're not there yet. Sri Lanka is just one country. I don't think we're going to see a wave of defaults like the Latin America crisis in the 1980s. But it is something for us in the U.S. to be aware of. You know, we always complain about these international financial institutions, but they serve a purpose when you need them. And when you need them is when times are tough. And that's unfortunately the economic situation we're heading into. Yeah. And it, and finally, any other things that our listeners should be watching for as it relates to how does this really impact us in the United States? 
Well, look, I mean, I think there's two things we need to think about, of course. One is energy prices, what's happening with Russia and Ukraine that impacts us in the U.S. and impacts everyone around the world. If that starts to ease, you're going to see a little bit of relief in a lot of these countries that are importing energy, as well as relief here. The second is interest rates. You know, the Federal Reserve is one, our central bank in the U.S., but it's also kind of the central bank to the world. And when they raise interest rates, everyone around the world is following suit and trying to catch up with them. And what that means is that these emerging market economies are basically having investors move capital from their economies into the U.S. This is what creates a stronger dollar for us right now. But what we have to remember in the U.S. is that first and foremost, the Fed is trying to protect the U.S. economy, but all of that has implications for every other country that relies on the dollar and relies on the U.S. economy. Wow, that interconnectedness is uh, is just such a, a powerful thing to, to really think through. Josh Lipsky is the director of the Atlantic Council's Geoeconomic Center. Uh, Josh, fabulous insight today. Really appreciate your perspective. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Coming up, Congress is finally getting around to fixing a law that many people blame for causing the chaos on January 6th. Jonathan Bidlock from the R Street Institute joins us next to talk about why we need to clean up the electoral count. Stay with us on KSL News Radio and more inside sources coming up next.